Welcome back to the 25th episode of the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. We're up to round 21 this week, and you've got Wilfred, aka Catfish. You can find me on Twitter at CatfishSC. I'm joined as always by Guy, aka Bear. He's on Twitter at GFeeny10. How's your week going, mate? Yeah, mate, pretty good. I um, scored a 1,388, which I'm still pretty stoked with considering um, I captain Turbo. Uh, so I finally got the rest of my players picked right. And um, so that that was handy. The only big one I left was Simo on the bench, but the guy I was picking instead of him only scored like 15 points less or whatever anyway. So pretty happy with that. But if I'd have stuck with Teddy from the start, I'd... Would have had a nice jump up to just below 1,500, I think I worked out. But you can't count what ifs, I guess. So you just got to jump on to next week. So pretty happy. I only dropped three spots. I'm sitting at 273rd and um, only still 147 points from the top 100. So um, I'll be chasing them for the last five rounds. Yeah, look, almost 1,400 while captaining Turbo is quite an effort. Unfortunately for me, uh, I've undone, undone all my hard work to get myself in the top 1,000. I had a shocker, only uh, 1,244. I also captain Turbo, but yeah, I've dropped almost nine, 900 spots in one week. So I'm back out to 1,826. Uh, unfortunately, so I'm now 132 points outside the top 1,000 after having been, yeah, obviously 20 points inside uh, the top 1,000 and now about 257 points from the top 500. So um you guys remember from last week i had managed to close that gap to the top 500 to 120 points so rough round but i guess yeah that's that's the difficulty at the back end of the season everyone's got strong teams and your decisions are, are, are crucial but the good news is uh we've managed to pull away again in the battle of the wednesday podcast so we uh we're up to a, a total of 45,851 and you've got the SC Report boys on 45,256. So that lead's stretched out another 105 points to 595. Uh, so we, we got the wobbles last week, but yeah, it didn't take long for, for normal service to resume. Yeah, mate. Like I said, I, I wasn't even stressed about it. We got these guys covered, so all good. Yeah, thinking about that steak for sure. How do you have your steak? <laughs> oh, you've got to have it medium rare. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. If you're gonna, if you if you were gonna say something like, you know, well done or whatever, I was gonna say we might have to stop this podcast because I don't oh. think we could we could partner up anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, nah, definitely medium, medium rare. rare. That's it. That's good. All right. Uh, just a quick shout out to Marie, the coach of Bacon Me Crazy. Love that name as well. Um, she's currently sitting thirty first overall. And had had a pr- bit of a one of those monster scores as well, finishing on one thousand four hundred and twenty-eight. So, good job. Probably, um, I'd say at, at this point in time, probably a bit too far back to challenge for first, unless something crazy goes on. But um, definitely a shot at the top ten still. So, keep pushing. Yeah, and we've got to remember. Obviously, you do get some prize money for not just first place, but then. Second place gets a nice chunk, and then obviously third to tenth all get a thousand dollars each, which is uh, pretty handy uh, compared to the old days where it was just first, and even if you lost by two points, you still you went home with nothing. <laughs> that was pretty brutal back then. Yeah. 
But I thought it'd be good. Um, you know, we we are five weeks out from crowning a, a new overall champion. I thought it was good. It'd be a good idea for us to maybe have a think back at how it really felt uh, at this back end of the season. Obviously, you know, we've both had the experience of navigating these last five rounds whilst being in contention for the overall prize. And it'd be good to talk about how do you finish strongly for the overall race. Uh, so if uh, people have been keeping track, so the, the team in first, uh, Turbo Ervo, uh, the coach is, his name is Des. So he's he had a, about a 300-point lead at one stage and, and had stretched out from, the, from his chases a fair bit. But if uh, you've had a look at the overall rankings, he's now only 44 points ahead from second place. And then if you look at second place to third place, that's a, th- a further 126-point gap between them and then another 118 to fourth place. So it's really, I mean, I won't call it a two-horse race because definitely third and fourth are still in with, in, uh, with a decent shot, but you, you've got to say, obviously, first and second are the two favourites here. Look, I guess it'd be good for us to share maybe some of what we went through because I think you and I both had pretty different experiences. Uh, for you, I believe, you weren't coming first at this point of the season. You were in second or third place, weren't you? Um, yeah, so pretty much the last few weeks I was swapping between second and third and generally taking a few points off the leader, but not like big chunks. He he had a pretty good side. Like he, he had guys in there I didn't have kick out, like I said, I've mentioned him all year. He had him and a few other guys that I, I missed. So he was he was scoring pretty big as well, and yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to catch him. I, I I only had like one trade left, which I held to the final round for Milf to bring in Milford for Munster. But yeah, or, I was just trying to well, obviously chasing. I couldn't. I I looked at the captaincy percentages, and I was going for a guy I wanted, but who had the smaller captaincy percentage. Obviously, you don't know what your opponent's going to do, so I just took the the guy second on the list if I thought he was going to play better rather than the top guy and just hope. So that's what I thought I had to do to try and make up points at the um, time. So, um, yeah, and then just w- without the trades, it's pretty hard to then put put in a strategy to bring in some guys. So, yeah, that that's the importance of keeping trades to the end. And, yeah, the the end result, I think, the last few weeks were probably the luckiest ones I had through the whole season. Generally, during the start, I, I was making choices. And I talked to you a fair bit through the season, a few of the other boys, and I had like pretty good justifications of why I was playing players. But towards the end, I was um, throwing a few more Hail Marys, just trying to come home over the top. So if I was in third and fourth by now, like you said, the first two look to be the favourites and those guys probably need to start making a few different decisions if they really want to have a crack at the 50k. And if, you, if you're up the top, I mean, it, it's well worth it. But yeah, I, that, that if I was in their situation and that's what I did. So obviously you had a different experience. So I'll let you take over. Yeah, so I mean, just to, to, to summarise, so it sounds like for you, the main thing that really brought you home was ultimately your captaincy choices. So as you said, picking someone you really liked for that week, but looking at the captaincy percentages and going with the less uh, less popular option, whereas I guess maybe you thought the first was going to stick with the most popular 
pick, right? Yeah, um, well, it, it was like it was it was pretty much everyone was captaining Cook towards the end there. So I I just assumed a lot of people up the top would try and stick to the one safe captain. Turns out I was wrong. I think on a couple occasions, um, I captained Teddy for his massive score, and so did the other person. And then, but there was there was the odd occasion where. I had a different captaincy option and it pulled off. So, yeah, at, at the end there, it's pretty much up to captaincy options. Like, every most people had Fergo and Luttrell. And one good thing was I had got on Val Holmes a little bit earlier than what most people did trying to bring him home, and he just went on that run. So I, I did have that one trade up my sleeve to make. But um, apart from that, yeah, I, you just have to rely on your captaincy options. Yeah, I remember you uh, had a chat to me about think uh, about when you were thinking about bringing in Val Holmes, and like I didn't see it myself. I was like, oh, why, why Val? Uh, I was glad I didn't talk you out of it because obviously you're back to gut. And I mean, I think that was something I I'd mentioned to you a few times, like keep back in your gut because obviously your choices were you know you're doing really well off the back of your decisions, and I mean it's good to bounce ideas off people and get their thoughts, but ultimately you know. It's your team, and you've got to make your decisions. And uh, the other thing I remember is that in the very last round, um, Teddy went 180. You captained him that week, and I think that was part of the reason you you got there in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, I um, I can't remember if the other fella captained him or not. I think he might have, but I I brought in Milford for Munster, and then um, he had to trade Munster to someone else because he missed out on Cody Walker with that whole last-minute swap story that you read about. Do you remember? Yeah, him? yeah, actually, I do remember out. that one. <laughs> yeah, one, one of those sob stories. Um, yeah. yeah, so he, I think he missed Walker and then um, was scrambling to make another decision and um, on who to bring in and then missed Hopper as well. So obviously I think both those guys got hundreds in the last round. So that would have probably put it to rest. But um, yeah, captaining Teddy in that last round definitely helped. I, I can't remember. I think he must have big as well because the leap, like obviously if he didn't, I would have shot past him with a um, 180 captain. But yeah, it was... It was really weird because obviously when you're up there, a lot of people tend to play safe and go with the forwards and Cook was killing it. So that there was a definite, a, a lot of people were just going with the high percentage play with him. And those some of the backs I picked towards the end of the year were going pretty big. Yeah, it was a really high scoring end of the round um, to the season from my memory. And yeah, the- uh, I, I didn't have Val Holmes, so I didn't have Teddy, so... Yeah, it was a rough end to the season for me. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it was only really those last couple of rounds, like sprinkled in early. There was some big scores from like Widdop and that, but um, the scoring this year has just been crazy compared to last year. Um, yeah, plenty of plenty of massive super coach scores. Obviously, Turbo going off and, you know, Teddy's warming up now. So, and, and you know, the likes of RTS are far more consistent and scoring much higher than he was last year. So, Real, real yeah. high, high averaging players for sure. And I think the like the addition of the try contributions and there's there's a bit more play involved with the, the less penalties this year and all that sort of stuff. So it leads to a 
a bit more opportunities to score points. But, yeah, I don't know what it is, but they've just been um, going off this year. So it's been good. It's made for a really interesting season. So I guess um, from my from my experience, I mean, I was lucky enough to be in the lead for quite some time in my year. I think, um, well, yeah, round twelve was when I hit the lead for the second time, and I managed to hold on from round twelve till the end. Um, I think for me, I had a similar experience to what Des is, has been going through, in that I had a pretty big lead. I think at one point my my lead was over three hundred fifty points, but come out the other end of the buys, it was closer to about two. 250, 260 or so, um, and yeah, I mean, I was feeling pretty good, pretty good about it, and I was just trying to play safe, I guess you could say, um, but also still trying to stick to my guns in terms of trying to pick the captains that were smarter, and I mean, I had to kind of look back at some of my decisions around that time, because I went from that 260-point lead to basically like 50, 60 points at one, point, at one stage, and Looking at some of the decisions, the start sips decisions, I captained, um, you know, Cam Smith for a forty, I captained Teddy for a thirty-five, and like I did that for four weeks in a row, basically. And really, uh, you know, I was losing points because I was making mistakes, basically. And yeah, it hurt because yeah, second and third cut down my lead to really quite um, yeah. It was you know, double digits rather than triple digits, even though I still had a pretty big gap to number f- uh, to the fourth spot. Um, so yeah, I think the the biggest thing for me was that I you know I was I was pretty much on tilt at one point because I was just going I'm losing this. Uh, I still had trades and I was still putting together my final team, so it's not like I wasn't making moves to try and improve my team. And I was just making silly things like one week that I I remember I I. I bench like three tons on my NPRs and you know tried to play some pods and and that was just a stupid move so that was when I really like almost lost it but managed to get it together for the last three rounds after that because yeah that they didn't get any closer from there so what I did was kind of just had to take a break actually (laughs) I, I took a couple of days should not think about supercoach at all and it was obviously good for me at the time because um if you know some if you hadn't read the stories uh, around that time, but uh, my wife was pregnant and she was, yeah, pretty much in her, like her last month of her pregnancy right then. And she was winding up at work and things like that. So a lot of things going on um, at the end of that season. So that was good. It was good for me to get my mind clear and, and not think about Supercoach for a bit because, yeah, once I got back, I started making smarter decisions and, yeah, I guess maybe the fact that I wasn't obsessing over it and thinking about it too much ended up helping clear my mind and and make some smarter moves. So uh, in the end, yeah, again, if you hadn't heard the story, uh, my wife went into labour on the final Sunday of oh. round of round twenty six, and uh, I, I watched the last two games uh, from the hospital while she was sitting there, and and basically yeah, getting ready to have uh, our second son. So. It was good to, to watch my, my guys go large. I think um, I had Cardi and uh, Cleary ton up in the last game or something like that, and I, I was pretty confident. Once I saw that happen, I was like, yeah, I think I'm home. So that was good. And then, yeah, I became a father for the second time <laughs> that night. So it's a good finish to the season in the end for me. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, I think the main the main thing for me was 
trying to find a way to to get myself out of that little spiral i was yeah freaking out because my lead was dwindling and it's easy to, to to really get caught up um you you've been going so well for a whole season you've been making you know good decisions and then it can be easy to kind of like you know have your blinkers on in some respects trying to you're trying harder to dig yourself out of this um like little spiral and you're not really thinking things through so i, I found that it was good to just kind of step away kind of reset the system and then come back to things with a bit of a fresh eye so i mean i don't know if des listens to us but hopefully if he does that's probably a good thing to have a think about because yeah it'd be a real pity given how well he's played the season how long he's led uh, i think you know given my experience i'm definitely rooting for uh, des to close this one out but i mean i had a look um so if you look from fourth to tenth there's only 66 points between those six ranks so it's really tight outside of the top three or four spots um, but if you're not in the top 10 at the moment, I mean, from 10th to 33, um, the, sorry, to top 33, there's only 100 points pretty much. So you can pretty much chuck a blanket over a whole heap of ranks. So I think there's a lot of people still in, with a, a good shot of finishing top 10, and that should be plenty of motivation given, I mean, you saw this week there was a huge sway. Um, getting the right captaincy was basically a 110-point sway because, like, Teddy and Turbo were the two most popular captains. Um, that decision was 110 points, effectively. So uh, that could see you jump from 35th to t- top 10 easily um, next week if that happens again. So, yeah, I think it's really, you know, if you're chasing, I think you've got to look at your captaincy picks and maybe go with some of your the less popular options if you, you know, obviously are confident that they might do well and, in fact, do better than the more popular ones. If you're obviously trying to consolidate and hold on, at the top, maybe sticking with the more popular one op- options might be a better idea at times. But you know, with with five weeks to go, um, those captaincy picks are, are more important than ever. All right. So is, at this point in sta- of the season, there's not many people with trades left. And people are starting to, you know, obviously sell guns for guns. We're not really upgrading cheapies anymore. I thought it'd be a good idea um, to look at the people that are being traded out. So looking at the trade trade trends but also just seeing a lot of the chat going on about uh who people want to trade out so i just thought let's talk about some of these players and maybe look at it in the sense of are you better off benching this player instead or do you just flat out just sell them get them out of your team and find someone better so i wanted to start off with andrew fafita um who's obviously been benched in 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 the actual nrl and uh, I mean, I had I had I was forced to play him last week because uh, my my front row forward backup in Pangai was also suspended, um, and he played 40 minutes, scored 48, so obviously good PPM, but just not getting the minutes anymore um, off that bench. What are your thoughts on Fafita? Is he a is he a sell? For me, I he for me he's a bench just because. If he if he starts, I'd want to play him, and um, I'd I'm I'm also running um, Haas and Tapau, so I, I'm thinking if do I bring in someone, say Clemmer, or um, one of those other? I'm I'm pretty sure he's really the only one in the front row. People are looking to bring in. Is it really worth? Bringing in Clemmer in his 60s, is he really going to outscore, say, to power by enough to justify wasting a trade on it? And for me, 
it's a no. So I'd probably just bench for feeder. You, you were saying, obviously, in terms of trading for feeder to a front row forward option, but what if, let's say, you had a dual position, you could bring up like a Tapao from your second row to your front row, uh, and you could trade in, you know, a, a second row forward or, or maybe even a center wing if you had like a um, Jared Anderson in your center wing that you could swap back up. Well, it, it could be a good play to jag some points, but then if you if if you don't have a duel after that and, say, Tapao gets injured and you've, like, Fafita's gone, like, what are you, who are you going to put in after that? Like, most people are probably, at the minute, I think, are running probably Fafita, um, Tapao and Haas, and then, I don't know, maybe a duel or... TKO or something like that. So they might be looking to get rid of him. But now nah, for me, Fafita's still, like you said, his, his PPM's massive. I can't see him staying on the bench for the rest of the season. And he, he, they, he just gets those little stats that just keep racking up. So um, for me, for this season, he, he's just a bench. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. I mean, maybe if you had more trades... He could be someone that's a bit more disposable if you've got cover in that front row forward position. Uh, I mean, I plan to hold him. I'm not as confident as you that he ends up starting again. Right now, John Morris seems to be in this kind of rotation where he's playing like Aaron Woods, Matt Pryor, Andrew Fafita, and also um, Braden Hamlin-Newelli. They're all getting around 36 to 44 minutes on a bit of a rotation, all four of them. Uh, and, And that... I don't know. It worked this week pretty well for for the Sharks, obviously, um, given how they they pretty much dominated the Rabbitohs pack. And I can imagine as long as it keeps working, I think he might end up stuck in his role. Um, But if the Sharks end up, you know, copping a bit of a flogging, maybe Morris as a rookie coach tries to change it up again. I don't know. It's hard to predict when we don't know what he's like as a coach. Um, And I think there's been a fair bit of... uh, I mean, he hasn't been overly consistent all year. If you look at Fafita's minutes, uh, barring injuries to other players and injuries to him, obviously, they've been fairly up and down, and, and a lot of it's just been determined by how Morris feels on the day. So uh, for me, I'm not as confident. I think he is a sell if you've got the trades in hand and you've got the cover. Just there's not enough rounds left. I mean, even if he's on the bench this week and maybe he's a bench next week, but if he started in the last two weeks, it'd be nice to be able to play him. If you got the trades, maybe you bring him back in at that point. Uh, but for now, I mean, he's just, I don't think he's playable off the bench, except in emergencies. So uh, I'd be comfortable trading him out if you've got the yeah, trades in hand. Uh, next player that I want to discuss is Ryan Madison. Obviously, we've seen two games of him playing at lock now, uh, and he's gotten rough, roughly 60, 62-ish minutes um, both weeks for, you know, like a 55 to 60-ish score in pretty much base um, or maybe a little base attack. Um, he got a couple of offloads last week. But what are your thoughts on Matto? Yeah, I think for me, if he stays at lock, he's a sell. Again, there's a lot more options in the second row that you could take a pun on. So on top of those three that you probably got Lolo, Gerbo, you can add in guys like kick our high upside. Cameron Murray's back scoring tries and he looks a bit fresher again now after Origin. I think Jai Arrow's returning soon or slated to return soon. He's a guy who can amass stats. Then you've got 
Jazz Tavaga, who's out, been outscoring him, even on a dodgy ankle. Yeah, there's just a lot more options. Crichton even looks okay, and if the Roosters keep scoring points, he might get amongst it. Yeah, so there's just more high upside guys at the minute. And I, I got your stats, but from earlier about how on an edge he looks good, but I don't know, just the eye test for me... I think there's some um, better options you can have playing than him. Yeah, look, uh, 100%, 100% agree. His base stats aren't very actually different. Maybe like three, four points less on the edge compared to what he's doing uh, at lock. But it's the extra minutes that he gets and obviously the attacking upside, which he just doesn't seem to have at the moment. He doesn't even look close to getting any attacking stats for now. I mean, maybe he warms to to playing that lock role and gets a bit of ball playing going. But uh, I just can't see it at the moment, and there's not enough rounds left in the season. So, yeah, I'm benching him this week. That's more just because I don't have the the, the luxury trades to trade out fit players that are you know going to knock out a 55 to 60 in base pretty much. But yeah, I, I can certainly I, I certainly wouldn't fault anyone who who swapped him out for someone with a bit more upside like a Kikau or, or someone like that. Uh, next question, sorry, next player in question is actually Nathan Cleary. I know it was only just a couple of rounds ago we were talking about how he's been traveling well. He's got like a 70 plus, 80 plus, 70 plus in, in a couple of consecutive weeks and all of a sudden he drops a 30, 33 score, something like that. Very disappointing, obviously, when plenty expected the Panthers to account for the Bulldogs quite comfortably and obviously that would bring a decent score for Cleary. Um, but I've seen plenty of people actually selling, selling him this week. I, I think that's a bit crazy. What do you reckon? Yeah, like he's a play every week for mine. I mean, at the worst, if you if you can't don't trust him in a game, bench him. Uh, like I said, I'll play him. But um, yeah, he's definitely not a sell. Yeah, it just seems a bit of a knee jerk reaction. And again, we've talked about this for quite a while. Like, who are you selling him to? The Daily Cherry Evans again, flavor of the week. Yeah, I get that he had a massive game. It was really impressive. But he's not going to get three, four tries this every game. And with the, without the goal kicking, like he had about eighty points in, in attacking stats this week. This is ridiculous. He had three or four try assists and like four line break assists, plus maybe a line break himself. So it was just a huge. Like you look at his stat line, it was just massive. But uh, outside of that, it's just not quite there. And it was a game where the Eagles put on thirty points and Turbo got none of it um, in terms of attacking stats, and that rarely happens. And that's why, was, obviously, like DC got all of those attacking stats. More often than not, you're going to have Turbo in there taking at least one or two, if not more, of those try assists away. And for that reason, I just don't think... I mean, I'd much rather that guy um, who's going to have that better floor and a better goal-kicking floor as well in Cleary. But, yeah, I mean, if you've, if your gut tells you that DC is going to go well for the rest of the season, then I can't fault the, the trade. You're backing your gut and doing it. But uh, to me, I think it's a bit... It's, it's like... It's not even sideways. I think it's a downgrade personally but yeah that's I, I guess the that's where i'm coming from when it comes to cleary so i definitely think he's a, a hold i don't even think he's a bench yeah i'm with you i'm playing him pretty much every week if not literally every week for the rest of the season and on a similar train of thought is uh clint gutherson so he's just two weeks ago he scored 81 and now he obviously disappointed last week uh, i had him in my 17 so i was very disappointed in his 33 I was confident that he was going to do better than that against the Dragons. Um, and unfortunately, the Eels let me down. 
But yeah. <laughs> would you sell them off the back of that? No, the, like you said, their runs, their run home's too good, and he, he'll bounce back. You, you can't expect them to go massive every game. It's just not possible. So I'll, I'll, I'll say he'll bounce back, and their run's too good. He, he's someone I'd be playing if I was trying to chase points for sure. Yeah, and I, I'd probably say this week as well, given he's he's going to be back at Bank West, uh, and we know how the Eels seem to love playing there this season. So I, I can't see why people are selling him. It just seems silly to me. So 100%. Not, he's not even a bench. He's a, he's a genuine play this week. Although I find myself currently with him outside my 17, but it's more just I don't know who I can play him ahead of. But that's uh, we'll talk about that may, maybe a bit later. Another name, Katoni Staggs. Obviously, he's um, close to maxing out. He's worth a lot of money. You could actually downgrade him to Jake Trevojevic or Jai Arrow or, or those types of names. I can see the appeal in selling him. But do you reckon he's a sell, or do you think he's still a hold? Nah, it's hold. And just play on the matchups? Nah, I think I'd play him anyway. Well, I mean, the Broncos don't have a... I mean, their, their run home's not too bad, obviously, this week. He's going to be up against Colin Hess. I plan to play him for that reason, and he's one of the players I've got in my 17 ahead of Gutherson. We saw how well Masters did against Hess last week, and Staggs has a better... He's got a better baseline than Masters does right now. If he's in the yeah, if if he's in the centers, you've you've got to play him. Like even against the Storm, their de- their defense is pretty good. He sees the line, he goes for it, and he's strong enough to get there. I definitely wouldn't be trading him. And like I said, most people are probably chasing points, and he he's a differential. I reckon who'd be good for you. Yeah, like I said, I'm planning to roll him out this week against the Cowboys. So I definitely think he's a hold. Uh, and he'll he'll have a decent matchup against the Bulldogs in the last round as well. Um, and we saw a couple of weeks back how well he did then. Uh, the next name is Sam Burgess. Obviously not suspended now, which is what we uh, we thought was going to happen, but only played 61 minutes on the weekend. Uh, there was chat that he was going to get a little bit managed as he was um, you know, kind of brought back slowly. So I could see him playing 80 minutes this week. Um, if he's you know, going to have his minutes bumped straight back up. But do you think he's a sell or, I mean, if you had Sam Burgess? Oh. Do a lot of people have him? I'd, surprisingly, yeah. I think a lot of people did hold him through the injury and suspension. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'd, oh, that's a tough one. I'd probably, no, actually, with the with the limited, I'm just working this off limited trades. If I had a lot of trades, I'd probably sell with the limited trades I'd hold, he's still the um, he's still the backbone of that attack, I think, and hope and I'd just pray that he he gets some attacking stats like he was early in the season. Yeah, so you'd pick him for the matchups, you know, looking at like left edges that can be targeted by a right edge back rower, which obviously Sam Burgess is right now. Uh, I mean, I'd be hoping that he takes some of Kamari's attacking stats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I would. I mean, I, I, you're not going to play him this week. I'd be benching him for sure, and I'd be hoping he, to see him hit 80 minutes first, and then um, once you see him playing 80 minutes again, I'd feel a bit more confident about rolling him out. Um, I mean, one matchup he'll he'll definitely relish is being able to run over Darius Board in a couple of weeks' time. So if I was an owner, I think yeah. Again, unless you're trading him to someone that you maybe like a Jake Trevojevic or or someone like that that 
um, also has that attacking upside, um, but has a much better base than obviously Sam Burgess does on that edge. Yeah, but yeah, there's a couple of juicy matchups for him for the run home. So he, he might actually be a bad pod. I would imagine there's not that many active teams um, who still have Sam for now. And uh, two more names that I wanted to look at. So one was um, Mitchell Pierce. He's obviously had a real shocking run lately. Well, we saw just two months ago where he he went on an absolute tear for about six weeks where he averaged about 90 over that period. Do you see the Knights turning things around? And um, on that, obviously, Pierce turning his form around as well? Uh, no. He's a self of mine. I think you've got to have Ponga at 5'8", and either one of Munster or Walker. And I think I still think Cleary and SJ are the choices at halfback. Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, if you owned him, you'd be trying to upgrade him to one of those two options? Yeah. yeah. Or Moses, obviously. Moses at Bankwest this week, so... Yeah, yeah I'd like... <laughs> yeah, I'm... Yeah, even yeah, Moses. I'll 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 chuck him in there too now. He, he's done enough this season. <laughs> Only took you twenty rounds to admit it. <laughs> begrudgingly. Yeah, it's, begrudgingly. it's funny how you you have your uh, memories of certain players, and it takes quite a while for you, for us to get 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 over it, doesn't it? Yeah, and I still don't feel I'll um choose him next year or anything like that. But um, yeah, he he's going he's going good. He's had a good season for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the last name, I guess, is one of the good guys in the NRL at the moment. So it's Chardon's Nickel Klockstad. So a bit of a revival a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, after yeah, he killed it for the first half of the season, went into a bit of a like a dead zone where he just wasn't going well at all. Maybe he was playing injured, and then revived after the bye. Uh, but looking at the run home for the Raiders, I can certainly understand why people are trading him out. So. Uh, for me, I, I do think he's a sell. Um, I don't think I would be playing him for many of these matchups that the Raiders have for the rest of the year. Um, and his base is all, all over the place. It's up and down from week to week, and I, I don't, I can't predict when it's going to be a good week to play him. So, for me, I think yeah, CNK sell him off. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a fair call if you've got the trades. But again. I'm not sure I'd be making it if I was low. I'd rather hold it for injuries. So if you're low on trades, I'd definitely bench him and keep him there as a just-in-case till the end. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Um, if yeah, Again, if you've only got one or two trades left, then uh, any of, trading any of these fit players out, uh, definitely a bit of a luxury trade. All right, so I guess, um, as always, we'll finish off just by looking at some of the questions off uh, Twitter. So I'm going to start off with, well, I put out the call for questions this morning and I asked, what's on Supercoach's minds? And the the first reply was from um, Rob Bruns at Nearly the Goat. So he he won back in uh, 2010, I believe, and and was a runner-up in 2008. So he he says next year. So he's written off the rest of the season. (laughs) I get that it's a joke. But actually, I think it's it's actually a fair, fair comment because... Whilst we're obviously trying to finish off the year and then you know finish up with a decent rank or whatever, hit your hit your um, rank target from the start of the year, I think it's important that we don't ignore for the last four or five weeks 
players, keeping an eye on players that might actually take the step up next year. So, I mean, one example would be if you had kept an eye out in the last few, last three weeks of last year, you would have seen Brandon Burns playing centre and actually putting up putting up some really impressive numbers. And the you know some quite savvy super coaches saw that and they started with Brandon Burns in round one this year. So he's a perfect example of why it's important to pay attention, even if you're out of contention, even if you're out of head-to-head finals. You got to look at these players and and you know keep an eye out. Basically, you're scouting for next season. So yeah. um, you know, I, I know it was a bit of a joke, but I think it's a legitimate comment too. <laughs> <laughs> um, next one comes from um, Nathan Bapti at Nath underscore Bapti. Thoughts on trading for feeder to TPJ? Have a must-win head-to-head, and TPJ has a great matchup this week. Uh, yeah, well, hundred percent. Just do it. That's a that's a great trade, I reckon. Yeah, if you if you're playing head to head, a trade like that's um, decent. Next comment was, <laughs> "What's in your mind, super coaches?" And uh, the the official NRL SC talk account says steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope that's um, that medium rare steak you guys are getting ready for us. <laughs> Mate. What's on their mind should be opening up their wallets is about it. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe they can all the stake bets that they're probably um, tallying up against each other, trying to work out who's going to shout us those stakes. <laughs> next, next year, maybe for them. <laughs> um, from at Bronco 6 again. So a couple of questions. So firstly, has Marmolo got anything left to give? No Nikarima this week and tough run home for the Warriors. Looking at a trade to Manu Ma'u, they've already got Latrell, Bateman, Sherry, Burns, and Toor in their centre wing. Not a not a bad core. Again, a lot of people have, well, not a lot, but a lot at the top have brought him in, and he's he's been going well, I guess. But not a player I'd bring in if I was chasing points. I don't think I'd keep playing those high upside guys. Like even though Toor had a poorer game from his standards. I, I don't see how you can sit him out the way he's been playing. So. Yeah, he still scored 55 last week with just a line break. So. <laughs> and that's a poor game from him. So. Yeah, he's feeling no, fire. I'd, I'd hold the trade if you're playing overall and just um, wait. Maybe if you're head-to-head and you're looking for a um, common player, maybe, but nah, not for me. I mean, I think he's actually a pretty good play this week at home. He's got the Seagulls, but they've actually been quite leaky towards that left wing. So, um, again, shout out to the three wise draftsmen who do those start-sit you know, matchups uh, on, on Twitter, and they've calculated the points. And I think their, their numbers seem to confirm that Marmolo will have a good matchup. I think the, the Seagulls have leaked the most points on average to left wingers. So, yeah, read into that what you want to in terms of the stats. Uh, next question comes from Chris Bentley at cbent336. Uh, James Fisher-Harris or Cam Murray? Pros and cons. The minutes continue for JFH. Who would you go? Uh, Cam Murray. Yeah, I think the upside's just... I mean, we've seen Murray go 120-plus this season. JFH doesn't seem to quite have that upside. He's got the higher base, obviously. Uh, the minutes just somehow keep rolling through for JFH. Uh, it, it's quite uncanny how it just seems to happen each week. But, uh, yeah, I think the upside for Murray tips it that side for me. I mean, I think he's a legitimate option at front row forward. 
uh, someone that you could trust as much as like your Clemens or, or Tapal. I'd probably play JFH ahead of Tapal in the current situation that they're both in. The minutes for Tapal just being so up and down, um, and it's just being so steady for JFH. But I think Murray, in, in isolation, in Murray would be a better pick between the two. I think Murray's minutes have been quite good lately. Uh, next question at Kirsty underscore Brody. Looking at Marmolo to JFH, I have a stacked center wing and can't see myself playing Marmolo anymore this year. Meanwhile, it'd be nice to not have to play for feeder TPJ or Tapal if I didn't want to. I think that question kind of just summarizes the last two things we talked about. So, yeah, I, I don't mind that trade at all. Yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, next one at Figtree underscore John says, My halves are Cleary, Moses, Ponga, and Milford. Play all four this weekend. I say yes. I have three of those four, and I'm playing all of them. Yeah. I have SJ instead of Moses, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll leave the call up to Milf on you. You've got to play the others. Uh, yeah, you've got to. <laughs> um, no, nah, it's a bit harsh on the Broncos. I'd, I'd, if I had Milford, I'd probably pay, play him this week. I mean, the the Broncos aren't playing the Storm at Suncorp, for starters. <laughs> they, got, they, they always get flogged by the Storm at Suncorp. I don't know what it is. <laughs> The Storm players just step up. I, I get that there's a lot of Queenslanders in that team, so they feel like they're playing in front of their home crowd, you know, all in front of all their families, family and friends. But, yeah, uh, I mean, even when the Broncos were a, a good team back in 2015, 2016, 2017, it didn't matter. The, they had a top-four defense in 2016, and the Storm still smashed the Broncos 48-6, to and I was there live for that game and hating life during that game. <laughs> But yes, um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into the Broncos' form um, this week. I, I, as in the, the week just gone, I, I feel quite confident that they're going to turn up against the Cowboys, as they always do. And I reckon Milford's going to have a great game at fullback because the Cowboys are like the fourth easiest team for opposition fullbacks to score on. So go Milford. So Vice captain. <laughs> in saying that you don't read into their form versus the Storm, can you read it? <laughs> Can you read into it much against what the Titans and Bulldogs the last two weeks? Nah, not I, I wouldn't get too excited. But I mean the Cowboys are much closer to the Titans and Bulldogs quality of team right now. Yeah, that's probably true. So yeah. I, I, I that's why I feel a bit more confident uh in the Broncos this week. So yeah, yeah they they should beat up on the Cowboys. Otherwise, right off the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question from uh, at Supercoach and an NRL player. Would you play Kakao this week against the Sharks? He has a good average against them. The only question in my mind is the young debutante 5'8". can see all the ball going down Cleary's side. Yeah, no, I actually th- I think that's a pretty good call. Um, Cleary should put his hand up to control the game without um, Jimmy there, so... Um, I'm I'm looking pretty hard at him, and I'm um, leaning towards sitting him this week as well. I'm he, right now. I've actually got him in ahead of Jake Trevojevic as a bit of a pod play, but that's that is a fair point. The only thing I'm thinking of is that he will get to run at Sean Johnson and Britton Nakora, and we've seen multiple times this season those two don't always defend the best together, and often that left edge back row gets to run through pretty easily. And, you know, Kikau could just carry both guys over anyway. Uh, so 
look, it's the the question is I I don't know how good this uh, young five eighth is. I've seen some of his highlights uh, from from um, the reserve grade, and he seems to have a pretty decent um, you know running game. So I don't know how good he is at passing the ball, which is a fair point. But I mean, if if the Panthers are going to do anything, they should probably let Cleary play both sides of the field, which he often does. And if that's the case, then I think Cleary will will find a way to get Kikau involved, and um, you know he should go pretty well. Like I said, I do think uh, SJ is pretty. We know we know he's been defensively suspect for many years, um, and there's been definitely many times this year where he and Nakora haven't got things right, and that left edge back row has been able to score. So yeah, it's going to be a tough question. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's back. It's going to be a gut call. Um, right now, my gut's saying play him and sit Jake, but I don't know if that's something I should really trust right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'd, I'd find it hard to sit Jake, but I don't know. It's the end of the season. You may as well try something, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to decide if this is just me tracing points too hard or if it's me actually making a good decision, but I've got a couple of decisions to make there. Uh, and last question just came in last moment, so... At Tane's Sarajevo, I think. To power over feeder. Sucks that I have to ask that. I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, play to power. Can't yeah. play for feeder off that bench. No. Simple one. All right. Thank you for your questions. Uh, thank you for listening as well. Just a quick shout-out to all of our champs, as always. Um, things have been on fire in this court because we've been doing this NFL draft. Um, quite a quite a fun initiative that you, you've put together, and I think it's seemed been quite quite enjoyable i think we're really all getting into it um but obviously we still got five weeks of the nrl season to go and obviously that means five weeks of super coach and there's still plenty of super coach chat going on uh so thanks as always for listening um please leave a uh, review and subscribe if you haven't subscribed to make sure you get these podcasts in asap uh, i do get the questions from from you guys now and then when they when the podcast um has gone up and they haven't seen it or whatever so if you subscribe, that's the best way to make sure you, it'll go straight into your feed as soon as it's um, uploaded. So um, good luck with all your decisions for the week. And um, yeah, go the Broncos. Going to smash these Cowboys this week. Have a good one. <laughs>